0: You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Matt, co founder of Realm.Art.
1: The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable. But others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com Exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com Exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange. Dot Bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin Com. Now let's bring on our guest. Matt, welcome to the Bitcoin.com Exchange Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: You know, I'd like to get into the person's story and For the audience out there, you know how we like to begin this. You know, Matt, when did you first get introduced to Bitcoin? What was this like for you? Who brought you in? Yeah.
2: Um, Well, I guess, like, the prelude to the introduction to Bitcoin was learning about the way Fractional reserve banking works. And and it kind of was this, like, thing that sort of irritated me and was, like, clearly, like, non-functional. And then around sort of 2013, some friends of mine were kind of, starting to buy Bitcoin and I remember it went up to like about a thousand bucks and then I was like all right cool so in that wave I started buying some sold obviously at a thousand bucks and you know <laughs> ever since then I've kind of been in and out Um I've worked in sort of like web too so building technology companies we sort of um invented like um internal GPS using Bluetooth and stuff Um so it was always kind of on the edges and then I guess like with DeFi particularly like I, at that moment, I was like, okay, just get rid of all fiat. And I haven't had any fiat since.
0: You know, it's interesting how I kind of look at this and state there was a problem. You saw there was a problem Mm -hmm. and you saw that Bitcoin was looking to solve it. Now, what is this term blockchain? I mean, what, what sort of purpose or what sort of utility does the blockchain bring?
2: Well, I mean, just naturally decentralization when, you know, the entire problem is, you know, founded on central banks printing funds, you know, maybe a small group of individuals that own these central banks. We don't really know who they are, um, but they just infinitely create money. Um, Ultimately, it was like, I guess, interestingly, anonymity and just a fixed amount was the solution then shared and adopted by multiple people. But I guess I, I probably wouldn't even really think that I fully understood the magnitude of it until, I guess, until you started to see all the applications being built on sort of Ethereum as well. Now, like, you know, some of the ways that we can move Bitcoin and small Satoshis quite quickly is, is looking pretty interesting. Um, but unfortunately we're obviously engaged in the same battle, the same problem um, with this kind of like idea that we're going to introduce central bank digital currencies which take away all the anonymity, which is sort of crucial to, you know, a fair, um, a fair currency. Um, and, and, and who knows, they'll probably still print digital dollars.
0: Now, you know, when we look at Ethereum and the, the ability to be able to create these things called non fungible tokens, mm. I mean, what do you think about NFTs? What, what do you see them being used for? And let's dig into, to realm and what you do.
2: Yeah. Um, so i guess when nfts were exploding um originally like uh, you just see them as like the front end which is essentially some art or some you know digital asset um but you know we kind of look more about like what's behind the scenes so kind of like how can you use this digital asset and split royalties do interesting things with them um i guess like overall if i just look at cryptocurrency they're an exceptional tool because they they're just like they're creative they brought in like a wave of individuals who aren't techie um and who are actually kind of demanding sort of different better user experiences um i think like you know i guess like you could look at say certain apps like coinbase and stuff like this and they've they've got to a level where they're quite good um those, those on-ramps are okay and the off-ramps you know it, it works but all the rest of it's still a bit scary and then you had the gas issues so um yeah, I don't know. With, with NFTs, it's kind of like, you've seen quite a lot of centralization in OpenSea and platforms like this. It's it's email, you know, password, conventional sign in mechanisms, stuff like that. I think that gives people uh, like a, a broader range of people um, kind of confidence in in what they're doing. You know, if you follow, um, you know, like NFT Twitter, you'll see a lot of people talking about how how they're really scared of sort of, oh, I went to buy a you know, get some drop and, you know, I spend 50 bucks on gas and then I don't even get the thing because the, the the transaction fails. Um, so I think stuff like that's really held them back. Um, one of the problems we saw with like NFTs, though, was that we'd taken what was meant to be the future of art, you know, this programmable digi- digital art. Um, and it's 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 kind of like we we consume it through these screens. Yet what we did was we decided to put it in a format, which was basically eBay. So two decades old. It's just like little tiles on a screen. So like uh, some of the like artists that we partner with, what they do is they, when in the current way that they're uh, selling NFTs is they take these 3D files that they make inside Blender or C4D or one of these programs. Um, And they have these cool files and, you know, people and all sorts of like amazing stuff going on there. And then they render that file into a flat image or potentially like a, you know, a video that's spinning around or there's some animation inside it. Um, So what we look to do is to say, why do, we, why do you have to present that concept that you've made as a three-dimensional virtual world or space and then compress it into a video? Why can we not give you a pipeline so you can then import that into a game engine and create what we call a realm, which is like a microverse. It's a small, it's a way of literally going inside that environment, that, that concept that they have. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, so I guess like realm is essentially um, a constellation of these different Microverses that are connected by portals. Um, and we're predominantly building uh, this metaverse um, on mobile application, um, just because we think one, augmented reality is probably the, the most widely adopted, exciting technology that can add a, a level of depth and connectedness to the metaverse. And, um, and also just because everyone's there, you know, and th- there's, there's really a terrible user experience on basically NF- any NFT platform when you go on mobile. Um, you know, MetaMask doesn't really work very well on mobile. Um, So we just thought that'd be, you know, kind of a good place to focus. Um, Yeah. And uh, a little bit more about the project. So we kind of, we enable users to create these virtual worlds. We have a bunch of code, which we've made as these things called smart objects. You can drag smart objects into your realm and the, the smart objects will do like different things. So, bring live audio in there. So you can essentially have a clubhouse experience inside a gallery and people are all talking and connecting that way. Or if for instance, you wanted to put an event on inside there, you can mint these things called NF ticks, which are collectible digital tickets that have a piece of art connected to them. They have a royalty structure on them. So if they're resold, for instance, as memorabilia, the artist and the person that put on the event, et cetera, can take a cut. Um, and they have an access token connected to them. So maybe they get you into a specific realm um, at a given time, maybe Friday night from 7 to 11 when there's a digital show going on. or, um, you know, an art exhibition or something like that.
0: So, I mean, where is this going to be headed? Will I be able to put on, let's say, an Oculus Rift and then dive directly into this virtual world?
2: Yeah. Uh, so all of the realms that we produce now are at one-to-one scale with the intention that we will port them into like full VR at some point where it currently is now is we're we're more focused on, you know, using augmented reality to say like drop like a portal in front of you for you to like walk through that portal, be inside like a virtual world, like an entire environment. Um, And then you, you basically, we can drop you into your character. So you can move from like looking like this as a human, and then you can move into your avatar, which is essentially And then you can run around like a conventional game, yeah.
0: I mean, this is ready player one. This is the kind of tech that you're working on.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess that's, yeah. I mean, it's it's a warning story as much as um, an exciting possibility, I think.
0: But you think it's possible. This world can be built
2: yeah it definitely can be built yeah and um I think there's there's probably like two macro changes that are occurring inside um, the tech stack like globally that'll make that possible so currently we do a lot of the uh, you know the processing on the device um just because it's kind of it's much harder for you to spin up a bunch of servers and then you know s- send the um send the information over the air but I think like probably like in cities at least maybe within two years we'll probably fully shift it to a server-side rendering. And then we'll use 5G to essentially just use the device as a screen, uh, at which point you, you're able to sort of keep device size down. You can pretty much do uh, do virtual reality inside it. Some other technology, I guess, which comes with 5G, which is like you get centimeter tracking uh, of, of phones, like hyper-accurate tracking inside buildings as well. So you can, if you're doing stuff with a device, like glasses, for instance, you can figure out where you are very quickly just by uh, using, say, a 5G chip. Um, yeah, we're, we're, it's 100% happening. I mean, the metaverse has exploded right now. If anything, the hardest, the, the biggest um, blockage would be kind of Apple's policies in terms of like charging.
0: You know, when this idea came, to, yeah, when this idea came to you and your partners, I mean, I, I imagine what you saw, I mean, what does it take to build this? I mean, how, how many hours has to go into it? How big of a team, what do you need to get there? I mean, many people have ideas. You took, you and your founders, you found a way to take it out of your heads and you were able to execute it. So talk about the execution process.
2: Yeah. Um, so I guess at, at first you have to try and like figure out what concepts you're both, you're all aligned on. So it started with me, Joe Ban and Milan, Milan's the CTO, Joe uh, we're all co-founders all equally split between, uh, like our stakes. Um, we basically looked at all of the metaverse projects and kind of were like, ah, yeah, like this, don't like this kind of, and then we were like, what is a metaverse? Um, how would your metaverse look? look? And we tried to agree on what it was and no one could possibly agree. Um, and then it just became apparent that, you know, you're trying to create this digital playground, um, you've got one thing, you've got another thing, you've got another thing. So then it was like, okay, cool. So if we're going to make this, it's kind of like, it just need, we just need to make the tools for people to create their vision inside this, this virtual reality. Um, and then I guess like you start to get onto some of the stuff which Ready Player One spoke about, which is kind of like, you're building a virtual world, but that should mean that you don't necessarily want to think about it in the same way that we thought about reality because we failed in many ways. You know, zero point zero zero one percent or whatever it is own most of the assets, own most of the land, own own all the money. um So it's kind of like, how can we maybe make something better than that? um Yeah. So we we kind of we're allowing people to build for free. There will be some some land which we sell. Um, like you say, like it, it, it's we have to have quite a big team in order to actually achieve this. So it's quite a lot of expenses. Um, and it seems also it's counterintuitive to not always put a value on some land because if people have paid something, they've invested in it. And then they're more willing to sort of be involved in the project and potentially build something on that land, try and do something with that land, rent that land to someone. Um, but, but, but ultimately that's, that's kind of, we're trying to balance these two things. Um, you know, how much land do we give away for free? And it's currently 50% and how much do we sell? Um, You know, brands for instance, are willing to pay a lot of money to have prime position. Um, But at the same time, the way we approached this was the way you navigate this metaverse is through portals. So like if you're in the real world, you can pull your phone out, you can do an AR portal and like hop in and you can jump into your avatar and then you can run through lots of portals inside and go from these different realms. Um, So we have like a central lobby where you hop into and then we just have radials around them. And then on each radio, uh, we just take 50% of it. We sell 50% of the realms and the other 50% will go to like essentially people that have made a realm for free, but they've got lots of engagement in there. So somebody came and like hung out there or they put an event on there or loads of people are visiting just because it looks really cool. They might not stay that long, but their number's really high. And then so then because we've got portals and this idea of like these realms are disconnected, we can then move them up. And basically what we're doing there is we're essentially doing what Google does with the internet, where we're realigning the structure of uh, of this metaverse so that the ones who paid are in, you know, the top like the sponsored ads. And then one, two, three, and four are, are just high quality realms that were, you know, potentially made by somebody, you know, in Vietnam or something like this who's, who, who just downloaded the application you know st- stuck some Blender files in there and, and people thought it was cool. You
0: know, I'd I love to hear from an entrepreneur what it takes. And now I got to ask you the question. I mean, you're, do you ever get to turn it off, like at the end of each day? Do you finally like get that minute, what, or turn off the, are you always the on? entrepreneurial you, stuff? I are you always on?
2: It's, it's almost non-stop because especially in crypto, you, you can't, you, you're like, oh, chill. And then basically you look at your telegram and there's like a billion messages there. Um, it's 24 seven. Yeah. And also the, th- the thing is at the beginning, you don't get much of a feedback loop. So you, you basically, you build a team, you build the core of the idea, you don't then go and get some more people that can assist you in areas where, you know, more development skills or so on and so forth. Um, Obviously, you need to be trying to fundraise at the same time. Fundraising, to be honest, in crypto is, is far easier than, you know, Web2. I mean, I've built and sold companies in Web2 and it's a it's a slow, like, slog. Um, and I definitely know why that is. Like, I think it's because, you know, in Web2, for instance, you you have a very long period of time from when you hand the money over to where there's any potential exit event. I mean, in crypto, it's you're creating the liquidity uh, and the market very early on. So it, it makes complete sense that people are willing to sort of part with cash quicker um and also it helped i guess in our case because three of the founders had worked together in the past and we sold our last business to you know a tech billionaire
0: so matt how do we learn more about realm.art
2: yeah um so obviously we're on all the normal channels we're on twitter um all of our on socials is always enter um, underscore realm r-e-a-l-m um Yeah, we're fairly active in the sort of Telegram community. We've just sort of finished a a community allocation mining event um, where we sold sort of 400Ks worth of allocation at private sale, and we did that from Launchpool. The next stage is we are looking to IDO towards the last week of August. Um, I'll keep you updated on where. Um, Likely a split between Polygon and also uh, on ETH. Um, and then, yeah, shortly after um, IDO, and we will basically go into a land sale um, and do a range of different size rounds in different sort of regions.
0: Matt, thank you again for sharing your story on the Bitcoin.com Exchange podcast. Thank
1: you. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon.
0: You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.